0: Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
1: This attitude of pay for play gets ingrained in a teen or a young adult. Four to six percent of all adolescents are pathological gamblers. So we're looking at maybe six percent of all the people that engage in this type of behavior might end up to be pathological gamblers. So you never know who's going to have a
0: problem. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next.
1: Everyone and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here with my co-host Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always glad that you join us.
0: Dr. Linda, I bet 50 bucks you don't know what I'm about to do next.
1: You're right. I never know what you're about to do next, but I bet you can't go this entire show without drinking that cup of coffee that you're just about to put on your
0: lips. Yeah. All right. All bets are off. As you can see, look how easy it was for me to to make a bet with you. I know. And we do this all the time. We make bets with each other. So on today's show, we're going to take a look at, well, gambling. And we're asking these questions. Is it just entertainment? Should we believe in luck? And what happens when gambling becomes an addiction?
1: The idea for this show, Chris, came because I was talking to my young adult daughter, Mm -hmm. and she was telling me uh, that most of her young adult guy friends actually gamble Almost every day. Wow. I I was really surprised by this. And apparently they're wasting a lot of their money. Were you aware that so many young men are just gambling on all kinds of things just to entertain themselves?
0: I mean, you hear about it more and more now because gambling is becoming more legal in more states. So I can see why they are. But no, I didn't realize it had become such a big problem with young males. I have heard so many radio spots. You know, we do radio. So we listen to the radio a lot. And uh, it's being advertised so much in more and more areas. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a big deal.
1: Do you remember, I don't know if they still have that show on cable TV. I don't even know if people watch cable TV anymore, but uh, maybe it's still aired. But you remember, it was a bunch of people sitting yes. around a poker table, and all they did was play poker all day. And I remember right. as I would flip through channels, I would see this. and. I have to tell you, I never understood why anybody would watch that channel and watch them doing that.
0: Apparently, though, televised poker is a way to learn the game.
1: Oh, Do you think that's what it was about? They were learning the game? Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: But they only show the big hands and the the big winners. They don't show the people who go in there and then lose lots of money.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of deceiving in that way. Well, those shows make it look like, you know, constantly that there's a lot to win. And I guess that's the lure, right, of Mm -hmm. gambling, that you always have that chance to win big.
0: And gambling is apparently on the rise since the pandemic.
1: Family Addiction Specialists, which is a group that provides uh, services in Manhattan and Brooklyn in New York, Uh, They state on their website that many of the major triggers for gambling are actually being exacerbated during this period of quarantine and all the stay-at-home orders. Mm -hmm. So they go on to say that these triggers include loneliness, boredom, stress, anxiety, depression, and many of us are isolated in our homes. Gambling became the outlet to reduce this type of restlessness and monotony that a lot of people were facing and were needing this to cope with their loneliness and negative mood.
0: I've wondered about that because, you know, so many vices and habits have gotten worse during the pandemic, and it doesn't surprise me that more and more people have turned to something like gambling, especially as a way to, like you said, deal with boredom.
1: And when you look at the literature on this and the research on this, Chris, what it says is that the more you're exposed to this early in your life, the more chances you are going to engage with it later in life. So you really have to ask, you know, is there more to gambling than just throwing away your money? Is the cultural acceptance of gambling leading to more of a problem than we realize?
0: Those are good questions because unlike the old days, now you don't have to be 21 to find a casino and go gambling. That's right. And and the opportunity to gamble is everywhere, cards, lottery tickets, apps, video games, and then what's really big today is sports betting. In fact, when sports began to reemerge during the later parts of the pandemic, I noticed more gambling ads for sports betting.
1: Specifically for sports. Mm, Yeah, that was really, really. I noticed it even in the basketball stuff. So even though casinos shut down during the pandemic, and that is one of the things that happened, then more people just went online. Mm. And there are hundreds of unregulated sites to play everything from slots to poker to blackjack. And again, even on TV you know, our producer is saying it's because it's legalized, which is true. But just the amount of ads mm. has really been interesting.
0: And people are using these these cashless payments. And I would think that working from home would make it even easier to do. No one is looking over your shoulder. And there is so much more privacy. And, you know, prior to the, the COVID-19 shutdown of schools, casino night, I use air quotes when I say that, at the local high school was a regular fundraiser. Uh, Flyers would read, Bring your family for a night of food, fun, and raise money for your school.
1: You know, we never had casino night in our private Christian school. (laughs) That was not a thing. But I do know that a lot of public schools did this. And with those type of fundraisers, what happens is kids see gambling as fun, exciting, competitive, and really mainstream. I don't think exposing kids to the real world of gambling as a fundraiser is a great way to do it. It's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Not everybody listening might agree with me. But here's why. Given all the concerns we have with gambling As a potential addiction, I just get worried when the teen brain is exposed to things that have addictive properties.
0: You know, I know of a high school band program that uses uh, this casino night type thing to raise money. And unfortunately, it raises a lot of money. They raise hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this. I think that's part of the problem.
1: Again, are we we coming right out and saying it's wrong to do that type of thing? Our concerns are that we're Mm -hmm. exposing kids to... A lifestyle that could get them in trouble later on.
0: Well, in this case, the kids look at it and say, "Hey, look, it's good for mm-hmm. it's good for this and good for that." And it, that's a interesting take on that, I think. And it's not just in high school, but college students gamble to make money. Uh, they spend time with friends, they compete in dorms, and sometimes uh, because they have a credit card for the first time, they can use gambling to escape life's problems which uh, we'll talk about that later.
1: Yeah, and that, that credit card for the first time is pretty interesting because you, you have to wonder, and I don't have statistics on this, how many kids get in trouble using their credit card to do that type of gambling. Mm-hmm. And again, they're thinking, oh, it's not really gambling, it's just fun. But this attitude of pay for play gets mm-hmm. ingrained in a teen or a young adult to some of them really early on. And in some high schools, you find teens gambling before, during, and after school. They just estimated, Chris, that 4 to 6% of all adolescents are pathological gamblers. Hmm. So we're looking at maybe 6% of all the people that engage in this type of you know, behavior might end up to be pathological gamblers. Even if they gamble, they start off, it's harmless fun. So you never know who's going to have a problem.
0: You know, when I was younger... Uh, we didn't have credit cards to carry around with us, and you, yeah. and then you plug right into a phone and engage in gambling. You had to have the cash on hand, yeah. so we would occasionally take a you know a handful of quarters and pitch quarters. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. Mm-hmm. So that was our form of gambling. But, but we didn't have all of this money available to us via a credit card.
1: And then the the problem with that is that you don't really know how much you're spending. Mm, I mean, you right. c- it's easy to keep doing that online without really getting a realistic picture of how much money you're losing.
0: And the teen brain doesn't do well with anything that's related to addiction, right?
1: It doesn't. Teens are more susceptible to gambling than adults. This is due to their impulsivity. That has to do with the way the brain is not fully formed yet. The peer pressure influences. They're trying to figure out who they are. So this maybe be being the big guy who wins all the time to be a problem. They like to win. They don't really understand fully a lot of consequences of this type of behavior long term. They feel invincible, right? Mm. And because their thinking part of their brain's not fully developed, it can get some kids in trouble.
0: Since gambling has become so mainstream in American culture, do you think this has desensitized our kids to the problem of addiction and financial ruin? that uh, pathological gambling brings
1: that's my point that's really my point from an early age kids are learning that winning is what counts and during adolescence, that competitive spirit coupled with their sort of emerging identity and the fact that they have little or no fear of the consequences of their behavior can really lead to risk-taking behavior and that for some kids can really set a pattern for their adult lives. so gambling represents quick money a quick fix a way to be in, maybe look you know, important, and every win reinforces this activity. So for those at risk for addiction, harmless fun ends in bondage. And I need to say that when gambling takes over a person, a person is more at risk for suicide as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is more than just a harmless addiction. This is serious.
1: For some people, yes.
0: And it's not just teens and young adults who have gambling problems. We'll talk more about that when we return on The Dr. Linda Mitchell Show.
1: Being a generous person can have big benefits for you. Giving your time or your money or even your talent to someone else can obviously help the receiver. But did you know that being generous can roll some positive benefits back on you? This is Dr. Linda Mental, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here to share some of the benefits of generosity. Lower blood pressure, reduced stress, a better mood, and even longer life have been identified as benefits of being generous. That's right, physical and mental improvements for you just because you choose to extend something to someone else. What can you give? Your time, your talent, your support, oh, and yes, your money. You see, hoarding money like Scrooge may seem good for your wallet, but it's not so great for your health. One recent study actually showed that stingy behavior increases stress. So take a minute and just ask, what do I have that I can share? Then be generous and see how good you feel when you share something you have with someone else.
0: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And today we are talking about gambling. Is it entertainment or addiction? And before we continue this important conversation, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. And that's where you can find her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. Her latest book, Living Beyond Pain, is so helpful to anyone struggling with chronic pain. And you know, Dr. Linda, one thing you don't hear discussed much these days is how destructive gambling can be. It is an actual addiction, and it's much like being addicted to alcohol and even heroin.
1: That is correct. I mean, that sounds really dramatic, but it is the only behavioral addiction actually listed in the DSM-5, and that's Mm. the diagnostic and statistical manual that we use for making psychiatric diagnoses. So it's a psychiatric diagnosis, and it is included in the chapter on substance use and related disorders because it has the same effect on the brain that heroin or cocaine or some other type of drug does in terms of its addictive pathways in Mm. the brain, and the consequences
0: are very similar. Is there a certain type of person who is more susceptible to becoming a problematic gambler and are more men pathological gamblers than women
1: two-thirds of those who have problems with gambling are men but mm-hmm. women it's interesting chris women who usually take this on a little bit later in life develop the disorder very quickly mm. so they start and it's real fast for them usually those who become addicted are intelligent they're risk takers sometimes perfectionists, impulsive high energy, even good students, or mm-hmm. possibly students that are already involved in drugs and alcohol. And parents are often unaware of the problem because these teens appear to have their act together in so many other areas of their life. Wow! But the person who struggles with gambling problems will feel distress about it, and they know that they cannot control the urge. Then they know there's a problem with addiction.
0: Before we go through some of the the signs that you may have a gambling problem, we attend uh, trade shows in the broadcasting industry in Las Vegas. Right. So you have to actually walk through lots of casinos to get to your your room in the hotel. As soon
1: as you get off the plane, there are slots. Right, exactly. In Las Vegas, right.
0: But as you make your way through the casino, if you do see a, a woman gambling, she's usually middle-aged or older
1: starts older according to the, right. the research doesn't mean there aren't young teens doing it mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting isn't it is amazing. and it's so interesting how you walk off that plane and there it is
0: yeah you even as you come down the jetway off the airplane you can hear the the you slots can, the slot machines. you can hear
1: them going yeah. oh in gosh the, i never noticed that in the
0: terminal yeah uh, so what are some of these signs that uh, someone has a gambling problem
1: so the first one is you have a preoccupation with gambling so like any addiction you're mm-hmm. thinking about it all the time And then you need to have more money. So just like think about alcohol, you know, you drink for a while, you build a tolerance and then you need more alcohol to get the same effect. Mm -hmm. That's true with gambling as well. Efforts to stop again, just like I don't want you to think about alcohol or any other drug addiction. I got to stop. I know this is getting out of control, but every time you try to stop, you're not successful with that stopping. Gambling is used to escape life and the problems that you're having. So it's a good distraction. That's a sign that you know you could be having a problem. Gambling continues even though you've lost a lot of money. Hmm. Again, I wanna point out, Chris, that when you start getting into this addictive pathway in the brain, the thinking part of your brain goes offline quite a bit. So the idea that you're doing things that have bad consequences, like losing a lot of money, it's not something that you're really thinking about. You're just thinking about how good it feels at that moment because you continue to do it even though you've lost a lot of money. And then you know, with any addiction, a lot of times there's this denial of the problem, it's not that bad, then you find yourself lying to other people, especially your family. And the financing, this habit, can even involve illegal activities for some people. Relationships, jobs, education, career opportunities, all those things are beginning to get lost because of the gambling problem. And then there's a lot of desperation that leads to the need to get money from somewhere in some people. So if you feel a compulsion to gamble, like you've just had to do it, then you have a problem. And if you squander time and money, that is a problem. And I would ask yourself these questions. Can you control the time and what you spend? And do you spend money that's been set aside for bills and food?
0: If you think you or someone you know is, is showing these signs, what do you do?
1: Well, first, you have to really understand that this is a behavioral addiction, and it requires an abstinence approach. You can't just gamble a little because of the way the brain responds to the addiction process. You're going to need to get help from a professional mental health provider who treats addictions. And like alcohol and drugs, Chris, there are 12-step programs called Gambling Anonymous. Hmm. Uh, They're called GA groups, and you can find them online. If you can't find one in your area, you can always go online and join a group online online. Those groups are so good at building a community of people who struggle and bring accountability. There's a lot of acceptance in those groups. There's non-judgment because everybody's in the same place, but they're incredibly supportive, and they help many people see that you know they've got others around them, and it's a key for a lot of people in staying sober from gambling.
0: So in a 12-step group, like with any addiction, the biggest step is surrender.
1: Yes, we have to surrender to God's higher purposes and take responsibility for our behavior, understanding that he guides and directs our lives and gives us the power to overcome, right? So we have power Mm -hmm. in the Holy Spirit working in us, and then abstinence helps rewire the brain away from that addiction.
0: Is there a specific type of treatment that works with gambling?
1: It's interesting that the rate of pathological gambling is lower in areas where there are limited opportunities to gamble. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're making it more available and more legal in a lot of places, which is tells me we're going to have a rise in this problem. So making gambling, you know, more mainstream and online is just going to really, really shoot the numbers up. And often when someone with a gambling problem, you see a lot of mood and anxiety problems Mm -hmm. also. So that needs to be treated too.
0: You know, if you have an alcoholic father, there's a good chance... You might become an alcoholic. Right. Is it the same with gambling? Does it run in families?
1: It actually does. And just like you said, just like an alcohol addiction, there's a greater vulnerability to all addictions. And remember, this is one of the addictions.
0: I can't believe I'm asking this, but is there a medication that can help with gambling?
1: I mean, medications can help. There are medications like naltrexone that helps with reducing the urges to gamble. So there's that urging, that like a craving. Mm-hmm. But there's also a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. Sometimes people will see it listed as CBT. It's also recommended to learn why you're doing this and then how to react and change the pattern. Again, abstinence is very important. If you don't get treatment for this, it can ruin your family mm. and your own life.
0: Well, we've uh, sort of taken the lid off this issue of gambling, and uh, you may not have been thinking about it before today, but now that you've listened to the program, it's really it's given me something to think about for sure. We do need to take a quick break, but when we come back, what does the Bible say about luck and gambling?
1: Are you a mom or a dad trying to do your best to raise a healthy-weight child in an unhealthy eating culture? Do you often struggle with how to respond when your child asks if she is fat or if he needs to lose weight? Do you wonder what is normal and how do I best impact my child and his or her eating habits? Well, hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel and my book Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World teaches parents how to raise healthy kids in an overscheduled, fast food, video game world by making simple choices easy changes, and instilling good habits that will improve everyone's life today and forever. Winner of the Mom's Choice Award, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, will give you this confidence, the confidence you need to take charge of your child's eating and raise a healthy weight child.
0: Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, available on Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com, and available online where books are sold. You're listening to The Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Her latest is Living Beyond Pain. It's a book to help anyone living with pain get their life back with practical tools that are not related to taking drugs. Check out her website, drlindamental.com. That's where you will find the book, Living Beyond Pain, and you can connect on social media. And don't forget about the podcast on iTunes. So what that means is if a good friend of yours needs to hear this program, and they're not listening now, All you have to do is say, hey, check out the Dr. Linda podcast. That's right. And you can do that on iTunes.
1: And any of the topics. There's a lot of topics listed. All the shows that we've been doing, there's a lot on that podcast.
0: Well, before the break, I brought up the idea of luck and chance. And since we've sort of exposed and and opened up this idea of gambling, does the Bible address this?
1: Okay. So first, the word luck doesn't appear in the Bible. Mm-hmm. okay we don't believe in superstitious practices of luck or chance right if we believe in that god ordains everything we have free will we deal with the consequences of our choices but god is in control of all things right so we have to believe that god is sovereign he's in control i like psalm thirty-seven twenty-three because it reminds us that chance isn't a part of the christian life it says and this is a verse a lot of people probably know chris mm-hmm. the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and he delights in his way that tells me our lives are ordered, they're purposeful, they're planned, they're directed by God. So we don't really ascribe to luck as right. Christians. We, uh, <laughs> You're knocking on wood. Yeah,
0: we jokingly say that, sort of as a joke. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's not a superstition you really biblically can adhere to. That's right. And when people don't believe in God and think everything is, is due to chance, a, a depressing way to look at things. And it means that your life is very out of control and random. And, you know, that would make me anxious.
1: It's such a great point, because maybe that's why we have a lot of people walking around in anxiety all the time. Mm, You know, nothing is truly random in our life. We really need to get that across. And I do feel bad for people who don't believe in God and do think that what you're talking about, that the universe is just kind of out there and Mm -hmm. whatever happens, happens. I would be living with anxiety all the time if I believe that.
0: Right. What about where the Bible mentions casting lots? And it was a practice in ancient Israel when they needed to make... A difficult decision.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were concepting this show, and it happened in 1 Samuel 14 when a lot was cast to find Jonathan guilty. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And in the story of Jonah, a lot was cast to find out who was guilty of the raging sea. But in these stories, the idea wasn't to let chance decide. It was really to discover God's purpose or plan in a particular situation.
0: And then in Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verses eleven and twelve, the writer alludes to the randomness of life, but as we read on, we find this isn't so.
1: Right, because you know they're speaking to us in cultures where people do believe it's in superstition and luck and in mm-hmm. randomness. Proverbs sixteen thirty three reads, "The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord." So I know that when you look at that casting a lot, it may seem random, but in this biblical scripture. Mm. It's hard to understand, I guess, conceptually for me when I read that. I think, well, why did they throw lots and decide things? Right. But they were doing it in a religious practice as a way of trying to figure out what the will of God was. You know, right. at that time in the Old Testament, they didn't have access to the Holy Spirit being in them mm. like we do now.
0: Right. Isaiah 46.10 describes a God who declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done.
1: Which speaks to the order and the sovereignty of God again. In Psalm 139.16 talks about a God who has a book with all the days of our lives written in it before any of them came to pass. So that doesn't sound like there's a lot of luck involved in all of this. (laughs) Not not much,
0: yeah. So specifically, does the Bible address gambling?
1: I don't think, and it's this is my opinion in reading through it, the Bible doesn't directly address gambling. So there are really different perspectives on this, interpretations on this, and the opinions in the church reign anywhere from acceptance to moderation to total abstinence.
0: So like anything that's not directly addressed in Scripture— Uh, We look at heart and attitude behind the motivation of, in this case, gambling.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine, Kirby Anderson, who's an author, a lecturer, and an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, sees the need really for total abstinence based on just what you're saying, Chris. The heart and the attitude behind why we do it.
0: Mm, that's interesting. What principles does he uh, identify?
1: He has three here. He says, The Bible emphasizes the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and that's what we've been talking about, right? And he gives Matthew 10, 29, and 30 as an example, while gambling, he says, is based on chance. So they're opposites in that respect. The second principle he says is, The Bible admonishes us to work creatively for the benefit of others. Well, gambling fosters a something-for-nothing type of attitude. Wow. So that's an interesting yeah. way to think about that. And then the third one, he says, is the Bible condemns materialism, and he uses Matthew 6, 24 and 25 on that one. And he says, while well, gambling promotes it because it's all <laughs> about getting the money and getting rich and getting a quick fix for what you're doing.
0: I've heard people jokingly say, yes, but if I win the lottery— I'm giving most of it to the church, (laughs) (laughs) which makes it okay.
1: (laughs) I wonder if anybody's ever actually done that. It would be interesting to find out.
0: (laughs) Right, And then there are these verses. The first one is from Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it.
1: It's what you said just a minute ago. I mean, we talk about the lottery winners. How many times have we heard that they just blow through their money? How many times when uh, people get a lot of money quick and thinking kind of about athletes some of these professional athletes uh-huh. and they just blow through it so there is something to the working for something that has more meaning to a person now it doesn't mean all of us would like to be endowed with things again if you've worked hard and you've built up something and you pass that on to your kids that's not gambling we're not that's not the same thing right but uh first timothy six ten says for the love of money the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils and that's the issue with when you begin to addicted to gambling it's that love of money that we see it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs mm. do you like that version of the scripture
0: yeah which version is that i don't know but it was a good
1: one so i chose it
0: right <laughs> hebrews 13 5 says keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said i will never leave you nor forsake you
1: and don't you think people who gamble, it's not a contentment. It's always the next big thing, right. and i got to do more and more and more. I'm going to go back to First Timothy 6 again, and we, we read verse 10, but I want to read verse 9 because I realize that that has something to do with this too. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Doesn't that sound like the warning of somebody who might be gambling and betting on things and hoping they're going to get rich? That really struck me when I read that because it's talking prescriptively about you're going to end up in a bad place if you continue to do that. So as we get to the end of the show, Chris, I think the bottom line is that our time and our money belong to God. There are simply no quick fixes or shortcuts to the refining that God wants to do when forming our character and development. When we realize that only the things of God can really satisfy the deep yearnings of the heart, we are less inclined to turn to other things that promise success but really don't deliver. When it comes to gambling, the only sure thing is God. He consistently sets you up to win in terms of your soul and your spirit. There are no losers in God's family. In other words, life with God is a win-win, and that's a winning truth. That's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, and our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone.